Today is Pentecost Sunday, as Donna has reminded us, the birthday of the church, as we often say. And today we are continuing the sermon series that we have called Graduation Speeches. Now we know that the Pentecost story comes from the book of Acts, the second chapter, where we read those familiar words, but today the graduation speech that we're going to focus on will be the speech of the Apostle Paul that we find in the 20th chapter of Acts. So today we'll be reading Acts 20, uh, beginning with the 25th verse. But let me just remind us about this experience of Pentecost. We know that Jesus had instructed his followers to go and wait for him in Jerusalem. And there, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, as indicated and symbolized in the wind and the fire, came upon all of those who'd gathered in that room. And those who were empowered went into the streets. It it was a a special holiday, this Pentecost, uh, the Festival of Weeks, the second largest festival, and, and also a very eclectic crowd had gathered from all over the world, Jews who were there on a special pilgrimage. And when these Christians, new Christians, were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went in and proclaimed the good news about their crucified and risen Lord And many became converted and were baptized as Christians. And then they all went home all over the world. From Jerusalem they went home with this newfound faith in their hearts. And the Holy Spirit led them with that message of good news and change that had occurred in them. And the good news of their baptism back to the lands all over that part of the world. Now, the Apostle Paul, whom we'll uh, read his graduation speech today, was converted after he was on that road to Damascus, Syria. We remember the story. He was on that road to go into Syria and to persecute the very Jewish Christian pilgrims who had been converted because he saw this as really a a terrible thing for his faith that these Jewish people were becoming Christian. So we know how the story goes. Paul was blinded by a light, right? And, and, and uh, he was taken into Damascus, and there he was ministered to. He had heard his name called by Jesus himself in spirit. Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so after Paul himself became converted, he devoted the rest of his life to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the church that he once was about the business of persecuting, he now was about the business of building and uplifting. And he went to the places that many of these pilgrims in the second chapter of Acts had gone back home to. He went into Macedonia, to Thessaloniki, and to Corinth, and to Colossae, and to Philippi. And he also went into Turkey, into Ephesus, and into those regions with this message, the good news. And in this passage that we're going to read today, Paul is at the end of his road. 
He's been traveling in a direction that his friends had warned him against. But God was his guide. And though he knew he had lots of enemies in Jerusalem, he was heading toward Jerusalem. For he knew that if God was guiding him, that good would be at hand. So let me set the scene. The Apostle Paul had sent word ahead to the elders of the church at Ephesus. This was kind of the center of the Christian movement in that part of the world. He was in a big hurry to get to Jerusalem, and so his ship had stopped in Miletus, and and it was there for just a brief time, but because those elders were told they were there, they were ready, and Paul gave them the word that he would never see them again after he departed. And he uplifted them in the faith with the famous words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. To be the church that gives and is about the business of lifting up those who are poor and downcast and witnessing to your faith. He had witnessed with them. He had testified with them. He had brought many of them to Christ. And now he was going to be leaving. So it was quite an emotional scene. Let's turn in our Bibles to the 20th chapter of Acts. And let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And now I know that none of you whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Some, even from your own group, will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the message of His grace a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. And all this I have given you an example that by such work we must support the weak Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he'd finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. There was much weeping among them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said that they would not see him again. Then they brought him to the ship. This is the word of God 
for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Paul's road had been one of pain and heartache and sacrifice. It had been one of joy and happiness and celebration that was hard to describe. But with these people, he had suffered. And the road Paul had bent on with God had led him to the expansion of the church beyond the Jewish world into the world of the Gentiles. And Paul dearly loved the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning on the birthday of the church, do you love the church? Do you love all that, I heard that, yes, all that the church is about? Do you love the church? With all of its blemishes and all of its missteps and all of its mistakes through the years, I want to say, I love the church. And I love that great hymn of the church that we sang. Uh, we sang that Wesleyan version that Jimmy had, uh, had, had mentioned. And, and I want to uplift these words again to us. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. These are familiar words. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. She is from every nation, yet one or all the earth her charter of salvation. One Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food. And to one hope she presses, with every grace endued. The road of the church has not been an easy one either. Yet God has been the guide and the roads that the church has been led into have done unbelievable good throughout the ages. You know, I want to say this morning that God has guided the church into this vast world because all people need to have a place to belong. I mean really belong. A place that is, is that belonging that God has ordained, that God has put forth, that God has invited us into. And the church is such a place to belong. You know, biologically, humans are designed to be with other people. The need of the community is written into our spiritual DNA and I dare say our DNA period to be with other people. That's who we are. That's who we're called to be. We're not called to be lone rangers and insulated and isolated from life but to be involved. That's who we're called to be. To be long is our calling. You know, the renowned late preacher, Fred Craddock, who um, taught many uh, young preachers for years and years and years, 
who was a, a renowned storytelling preacher himself. He told a story once that I don't think I'll ever forget about his own experience with his family. He said his devout mother was, um, was just in love with the church in every way, and the church loved her. She was a saint not only in the church but in the community because of the church. But he said his father was highly skeptical of the church. Whereas his mother was a pillar of the church, his father had nothing to do with the church, didn't go to the church. Only on a very rare occasion would he ever darken the door. New preachers would pay visit to Mr. Craddock, and he'd snarl and he'd say, they just want another number on their rolls. That's why they want me to join. And then he'd back it up with that one that we all know. They're just after my money. How'd y'all know that? <laughs> That's what he'd say. And, and, and Fred said that Daddy said that all the time. It was always the same thing. He wouldn't go to church. And these main two excuses he upheld and then he said one day he got deathly sick. He was in the hospital. He said he was so sick that family members were coming into town to be with him at his, 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 his last time. He said, I flew in from Atlanta all the way out to see Daddy. He said, when I entered the room, there were cards everywhere. There were flowers in the room. And all of the cards and all of the flowers, Mother said, came from members of the church. And she said, not, not only here in the hospital room, but she said, Fred, the refrigerator at home is just full of food that church people have brought by. We'll eat for weeks. But Mr. Craddock didn't have weeks. Fred said as he made his way to his dad's bedside, his dad looked up and he said in a voice that was barely a whisper, yet resonates in my ears today and in my heart, my dad whispered, I was wrong. Fred, you tell them I was wrong. And, and Fred said, Dad, wrong about what? And who do you want me to tell? He said, I was wrong about the church. And at my funeral, I want you to tell the church that I was wrong and I'm sorry. You know, the church is far from perfect, isn't it? How could it be perfect? You're in it. And I'm in it. We're the church. With all of our imperfections and all of our missteps and all of our bickering and battering at times, we're the church. Groucho Marx was famous for saying, I wouldn't want to be a member of any church that would have me as a member. 
You know, out of all of the banners that we have had on Northwest Highway, you know, we've put up banners, um, you know, advertising sermon series. We've put up banners making sure we extended our welcome. We've got a banner out there now, I think, about the summer camps. But the banner that we've had through the years that has been the most popular, I've gotten the most feedback from, both good and a little bit of bad, was the banner that said, Lover's Lane, No Perfect People Allowed. Remember it? You talk about causing a stir. You know, one of my associates said that a prominent citizen from Dallas, I'm not going to say who it was, but he ran for president once, called him, (laughs) called him, and of course they were friends, and he was joking, but he said, I'm real sorry I can't come to your church anymore. And the associate said, why can't you come to the church? And he said, well, you got a sign up that excludes me. It says, no perfect people allowed. Of course, he knew what we all know. None of us are perfect. And we're the church. And I hope that every one of us feel that welcome, that sense of call to belong to a church that's not meant to be perfect. In fact, we are called into this church because we aren't perfect. And we know that. And we know that we worship a God who loves us. And that we'll never be perfect, except we say that we would love to be perfected in God's love. We're going to always make missteps. We're going to always make mistakes. But, but we as Christians strive for one thing, and that is to have the same love that Jesus had. Right? If we don't have a goal such as that, what kind of goal do we have? What dreams do we have of our life, of our faith, but to be made perfect in God's love? Not perfect free from mistakes, but perfect full of God's love that's brought about not by our own doing, but by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, right? That's what we proclaim on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit empowered with His presence. The Holy Spirit empowered and sent them out with a message that changed the world, the message of the gospel, the language that brings us together. You know, as, as for my own testimony, the church has always been a place for me to belong. Now, I know that my story is not like everybody's story, but I grew up in a little town, and the church was the lifeblood of the town. If it was going on, it was going on in church, and if you wanted to be where it was going on, guess what? You had to be at the church. And we went to all of the churches, to the different denominations. Whenever there was a vacation Bible school, we just made the rounds in Chandler. We didn't stop till we'd gone to all of them. On Sundays, though, we'd divide up and go into our own denominational corners. But church was the lifeblood of my experience. Now, in our United Methodist Church in my little town, what the larger denomination was doing, whether it was uniting or fighting or doing mission work be abroad or even within the bounds of the annual conference was important 
But it wasn't nearly as important as the mission field that God had called our little church to right there in our church community and our local community. And we were about the business of sharing God's love in different ways in our church and in our community. And I can testify when I was a youth needing direction, the church was there. When I was struggling with the call to serve God as a pastor in the church, the church was there. When I needed an education, the church was there. When Tammy and I made the step to get married, the church was there. When I was sick with a terminal illness, the church, oh, the church was there. And when our children came along with all of the challenges of parenting, the church was there for us. And no matter what I have faced in my life, no matter what brink I've been at, the church has always been there. And I thank God for the church. For me, it has been an ultimate life-changing place to belong. And I hope you have found a place to belong in the church. I hope that for each and every person here. That you know the church as a place where you belong. And finally, I'd like to say that God has guided the church into the vast world since the beginning of the church's existence. Because everybody needs to know Jesus. That's why the church exists. Because everybody needs to know Jesus. See, the main challenge of the church is to make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus has commissioned the church for the reason of sharing God's love in Christ to a world in need. And you know something happens when we really come to know Jesus? We become more inclusive. We become more tolerant of others. Because when we really come to know Jesus, we know that it is Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that brings conversion to the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. It's not you and it's not me. When we come to know Jesus, we're called to live who Jesus is and the love that Jesus was about and is about. We're called to be that extension of God's love in Christ, empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we can be so loving that we look past differences, even differences of religion, to love others. 
You know, every worship service that we conduct, every Sunday school class that we convene, every small group that we establish, every choir trip, every mission trip, everything that we do needs to be centered on we are carrying the love of Jesus into the world when we leave this place. Because that's our purpose. Our main purpose. And it is our Lord and Savior Jesus brought to us by God's Word and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that changes everything for good. And my prayer is that everyone who hears my voice knows Jesus. You know, yesterday was a proud Pentecost moment for me. Our Zimbabwean fellowship and our Heart of Africa fellowships went on our annual fishing trip to Chandler, Texas. And we had a great group of adults and and the, the boys were there as well on this outing. And we really caught the fish. I dare say we could feed the whole con Well, maybe not, but close. We caught a lot of fish. And we had a great time. Now, I didn't catch a single fish. I baited hooks all day. But those kids were catching fish and the adults were catching fish. We were all catching fish. And then it was time for us to go up for our lunch that was prepared for us. And it was downtown at the Market Pavilion. And I want to tell you, I was proud. When the Lover's Lane United Methodist Church blue and white bus pulled into the Market Pavilion and our Heart of Africa and Zimbabwean fellowships, our fishermen, got off of that bus and, and you know Chandler's a small East Texas town that is a very typical small East Texas town but let me tell you something we threw a feast for these coming from Lover's Lane United Methodist Church we had barbecue prepared, we had ice cream, we had watermelons, we had it all. We ate, and people in town, they were driving by, and I'm sure they were saying, who on earth are all of these people, and what are they doing in Chandler? And then people from the community would start gathering, and before long, it was just this, um, this, this community gathering of, of, of Lover's Lane people and Chandler people, and we were having the best time eating and sharing about the fishing experience, and it was wonderful. And you know the answer to who are these people, and how on earth did they get to Chandler? There is one answer to that. They're Christians. And it was the church that brought them there. It was the church that brought us together. It's the church that by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit initiates God's love into the world that changes lives and changes the way we look at life. We met under a pavilion that, that had wood on it that, that has been there a hundred years. Once a tomato shed that the, they would pack the tomato 
cases and put them on the rail car. The women would grade the tomatoes. The men would uh, have the boxes put on the rail car. And the children would run around in those tomato sheds. I can see them now. And never in a million years would the people in the photos have dreamed that they're in the middle of downtown Chandler. There would be people from Zimbabwe and Kenya and Liberia and Chandler. There would be people speaking Swahili and Shona and unadulterated East Texan <laughs> and Chandler. And no matter what language we spoke, we all knew one Lord and Savior, Jesus. And you know, there was one language that brought us all together. And it wasn't English. Though we all spoke various dialects of English, it was the language of Christ's love. That's what brought us together you see we came together and some of us who gathered there could say the church has always been here for me too when I came as a refugee the church was here and opened its doors to me when I came grieving the loss of my family in a civil war church was there for me when I lost every penny I had in my home country and found my way here to Dallas Texas there was a church not a perfect church but one that had a place for me you know lovers lane is a Pentecost church. Now let's get it straight. I didn't say a Pentecostal church. Don't leave here saying Stan said our church was a Pentecostal church. I didn't say that. It's a Pentecost United Methodist Church. Can you believe it? Only God would have brought together such a group as I saw yesterday and such a group as I'm looking at today and such a group that we see gathering in all the different worship venues around these halls, only God could create such a place to belong. And only the Holy Spirit could em empower us to speak the language that brings the world to Jesus. It's His language. It's love. Amen.